Thank you so much, praise band and praise team. God has set before us a great opportunity at Bethel, and I'm so excited about these days and the opportunity that is set before us. You know, one of the great things that God has set before us here as a church in this community, a part of our community, is that we live in a community, in a culture, in a region that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ pretty freely. And that we're not inhibited by laws or police from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in this broken world. And that's something to be thankful to God for. Amen? We also live in a community that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you all agree with me that we live in a broken, messed up world that needs Jesus in the biggest way? It, uh, that, that is just so true, and we see it at every hand. I, I spent some time yesterday just driving through the streets of our town and some neighboring community. And I just began to pray as I was driving through. And I thought, God, what a need. Indeed, the harvest is plentiful and labor is few. And Father, uh, that the fields are indeed ripe with harvest. We live in a community that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also we need to understand that we have been given this glorious, glorious good news to know and to experience and to share. And so I'm excited that our church has made a commitment to pray for every home in our town. Pray for everyone by name. And you might say, well, I don't live in the city limits. You can still take a uh, you can take a group of names and you can take some streets and you can pay for people by name that you don't know and ask God to move in their life. Send them a note or a card. Let them know that you've been praying for them and watch at what God will do. And then not only do we have this great privilege to pray for every home, it's this thing that I feel that God has led us to do is to love the people in our city. And to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them, but also share it with loving acts and kindness and, and care for our community. And while we could always add things, and we can't do everything, thank God we're doing some things. Amen. And let's do even more and make it intentional. I'm glad to be a part of a church that, that's serving our community. Yesterday I was here at church for a few moments, and and I watched as children were involved in Awana and, and a children's ministry and families that are being in, uh, touched by that investment. And others were out distributing the gospel of Mark. And others were going from our community to help build a ramp for somebody who recently was injured and, and recovering. And, 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 and so they can have access to their house, a one-day mission thing. And I was just excited to hear about different way people, ways people are loving. I think about this summer and a lunch program that we're going to be involved in feeding uh, and helping children uh, in our community during the summer when they don't have the lunch program at school and we can provide it for their homes in our community. About other one-day mission projects and last week how that there was a, a, a children's ministry day and people were serving in lots of different places about ministry to our food pantry by developing a garden this coming summer, about grief classes and financial peace classes to help people in our community and in our church, about a ministry to widows, helping them during 
the transition and difficult times of life and, and, and then providing as a church this year opportunities to teach about marriage and, and how to have a healthy and strong and good communication and marriage and home and family and rearing of children. Listen, I didn't think much about needing God's help to raise children until I had some. And boy, do we need God's help and strength in that. And we get to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that God loves us, that Jesus Christ died for us, and that all who repent of sin and trust in Jesus can be saved. It's the greatest news. You not only be saved, but you can know the love of Jesus Christ, experience eternal and abundant life here. And so I'm excited that we're going to be sharing, intentionally try to share our story, share the gospel, inviting others into our lives to break bread together and have lunch together and be friends with one another and tell our story about what God's doing in our life. That's sharing of good news and sharing of life, distributing the gospel of Mark. I'm, I'm going to ask you to help me. Uh, actually, this Tuesday night, I'm going in. I'm going to be uh, sharing, uh, just going and walking streets and hanging little door hangers on the door. And uh, you don't have to have a lot of training to do that. And uh, you come and meet with me this Tuesday night. I'm praying for 50 people to come and go with me. Could you, would you go with me Tuesday? And we'll just be gone for a little over an hour. We're going to put those bags on doors and just, uh, just trust God and sow seed. Amen? And trust God. And I'm just praying that people will take the gospel of Mark into their home. And I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would lead them to begin to read about Jesus. And I'm just praying that as we preach about discover the real Jesus, that people might come and hear. This isn't about growing our church. It's about taking the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to this broken world. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about celebrating Easter, excited about Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Spring Fling, fun in the community, Easter egg extravaganza. It's going to be awesome. I've, I'm, I'm decorating my basket now. And so it, it, it's going to be fun. And uh, uh, it, it's going to be great. And then baptism services and, and, and it's just, I'm looking forward how God is going to work. But we've been given this great good news, this gospel to share in a lost and broken world. How many of y'all have ever been through difficult or hard times in your life, discouraging days? Would you raise your hand if you have? It's not easy, is it? I mean, have you had those trials in your life that deplete you, have a way of sucking the life out of you? Israel had those kinds of events. But the psalmist in Psalm 126 talked about a song of hope in the desert seasons of life and the principle of faith and hope and prayer and gospel sharing that are truth, true. I want you to look with me in your Bible today to Psalm 126. Psalm 126, beginning... <clears throat> With verse number five, 
Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. And he who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. The psalmist is saying in a time of trial and difficulty, in the life of Israel, we were like aliens. We were scattered. Our fortunes were lost. And we were like those who dreamed. But he said God took us in our despair and replaced it with laughter. And he gave us a tongue filled with joy because God did great things. He restored us. And then he says, verse number four of Psalm 126, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. In the desert, in the desert, just like in other deserts, in the wilderness of Judea, in the area called the Negev, south and the southern part of Israel. It's hills and wadis or streams. They're often dry during the year and the desert is dirt and sand and yet when the rain comes, the wadis fill up with streams of water and seed that lays dormant springs to life and the desert goes into full bloom. It's a miraculous transformation that takes place. And the psalmist said, that's what our life was like. We were in a desert, but God has blessed us, and we've experienced full bloom in our life. Wow. So in verse number 5 and 6, he says, those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Notice, those who go out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, will come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. It's sowing and, and sowing with tears, reaping and weeping, and then there's a sense of reaping that takes place as God abundantly supplies, and it brings rejoicing in your life. The early church had those kinds of difficulties too. Not just the nation of Israel. If you look with me to Acts chapter number 1, there's a story about an episode that took place in the early church. Look with me to, on, in your Bible, Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him, they saw signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Amen. 
the early church knew difficulties and hardship and persecution and trials and loss. But they believed God and they sowed the word of God and they experienced great joy in their life. That's what God wants for you and for me. So today I want us to think about these concepts of this pattern in the Old Testament and how that pattern is also true in the New Testament and it's true in our lives. And it's certain principles about living a life sowing the word of God in our lives. You know what? God's given us abundant, great, and good news. Amen? And we need to share it in a broken world. First of all, our going. Let's think about it together. Our going. And we always are on the go. We always go. It says in, in uh, Psalm 126, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. And so we're going. We're on our way, and we go. And Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 28 Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Going there means as you go. It's a participle. And going, and as you go, make disciples. God has called us to be disciple makers and to sow the word of God where we go. In good times, in hard times. And so in Acts chapter 8, verse number 1, They were scattered, but as they were scattered, they were going. Now, what had taken place? A persecution had broken out in Jerusalem against the church. And one of those that was, was severely persecuted was Stephen. And he was even stoned to death. But then persecution broke out, and Saul was very involved in this, who was from Tarsus and uh, a zealot for Judaism, a defender of the faith, a theological conservative, and he was trying to stamp out this heresy of these Christ followers, people who were a part of the way and followers of Christ. He thought he was doing a good thing. And the difficulty came into the life of the early church. And so... Here the scripture says, as you go, as you go, sow the word. You know, sometimes we're going and it's just the daily routine things of life that we do. You go to work and you have the opportunity to share your faith. You go to school, you have the opportunity to share your faith. You get up every day, you get on the bus, you have the opportunity to share your faith. You, you, you go to the soccer uh, game and, or practice and you have the opportunity to share your faith. These are things that we regularly do and we're going. But sometimes life interrupts and things happen that we didn't expect. But it's still the opportunity to share our faith. There's like a bend in the road. You didn't see that bend coming. It's, and, and maybe you end up in a hospital like my mom a few weeks ago. She fell and she had been to the hospital to see my uncle. And he had fallen and broken his hip. So they went to see him. And she said, my poor brother, he's fallen and broken his hip and said, I need to go see him. He gets so discouraged when he's hurt like that. And and I just want to encourage him. She said, you know, he just kind of lost his balance when he gets old. And so uh, mom's 83 and her brother's like 87. But anyway, uh, and so uh, they were walking in the parking lot back from the hospital 
And my mom fell in the parking lot. Broke her shoulder in two places. Broke her elbow and her ankle severely sprained. And so my dad's out there, can't hardly get her up. People come and help. She's in severe pain. And so the very hospital she went to go visit, she ends up in the emergency room. And, and she was a bit discouraged. But I went with her the next day to an orthopedic surgeon to evaluate her breaks. And I listened to her witness to the doctor. And tell him that there was one who walks with her when she even stumbles in her life. And that's Jesus Christ. And the doctor listened to her closely. And he said, thank you for reminding me of that. Because I know what you say is true. A true. There was a woman in our church. And she fell and broke her hip several weeks ago. And she was witnessing as they took her away in the ambulance to the ambulance drivers. And so, you know, I heard testimony about that. I, Sharon is viewer, is, and she's just a, a witness for the Lord. And our brother Roy is sick in the hospital, but he's a witness for Christ wherever he is. There's, there's many of you, as we go... And sometimes it's hardships that come into our life. We have a flat tire and we go, why is that flat tire happening to me? But when the person comes to help you, is it an opportunity for you to be a witness? Wherever you are and wherever you're going. I picked up an Uber ride this week and, and I was at a, out of town at a meeting. And the guy who picked me up, he said, chatting with him, I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Turkey. I said, oh. And so I don't wonder if he's a believer. I start trying to witness to him. And he said, I'm a Christian. I said, you're a Christian? I, I said, I, he said, yeah. He said, there's thousands of us in Turkey. You didn't know that, you turkeys? Thousands of us. I met a man on the way back. He was from Iraq. I tried to talk to him about the Lord. He said, I know the Lord. God is at work. Let's sow the gospel where we are. There's our going. We're always on the go. There's our weeping. Sometimes we weep as we go. He says in Psalm 126, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Weeping comes into our life. We experience weeping. We experience difficulties and hardships of life. Paul, look with me to the scripture in Acts chapter 8. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, weeping. Do you think there's weeping? Notice. Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. Saul of Tarsus was helping lead the charge in some of this. He was a zealot, a Pharisee, a legalist, a defender of Judaism and the law. He was there when they killed Stephen, who was a shining light of the gospel of Jesus, a faithful evangelist and preacher, a debater, an apologist, 
for the faith, a keen mind, a great ability to speak. All you have to do is read his sermon in Acts 7. It's unbelievable. He was mighty in Scripture and he preached Jesus, but they couldn't stand it because when he got to preaching about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, they took him outside of the city and they stoned him to death. And these early disciples buried their friend. And as they buried him, they wept. And then outbreak of persecution and the church is being ravaged. They're going from house to house. They're breaking into people's homes. They're stealing people out of their homes. They're beating them. Separating men from women and children. Can you imagine that because of your faith, somebody would break into your house and separate you from your husband or your children and throw you in prison and then threaten to kill you. Persecution breaks out against them. Folks, persecution is not the exception, but it should be expected. And we should understand that it will come in our own nation and culture, you can see the handwriting on the wall. And when it does, will we sow as we weep? Their sorrow and grief was real. They wept for their friends. They wept that they, they lost everything. They were driven from their homes, fired from their jobs, shunned by their friends threatened with death, accused of treason and insurrection, accused of blasphemy, separated from their family. They were misunderstood and called a hater. When they didn't hate, they loved. They were forced to leave everything and move to other towns where no one knew them, where they had no business, losing their home, all that they had, their culture and their language in a foreign and different place in the outskirts and villages of Judea and over even into Samaria. And James, the Lord's brother, saw this. And James becomes a leader and pastor of the Jerusalem church. And when he pins his book, he, the book of James, in chapter number one, the second verse Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. We weep. And we have pain and suffering in this life, but we still sow the word by faith. Amen? There's goings, weeping, but sowing. We sow in the difficult and hard times of life. What do we sow? We sow very precious seed. Seed for sowing. Not seed for eating, but seed for sowing. In Acts chapter 8, verse number 4, those who were scattered went about what? Preaching what? The Word. That's the seed. They're preaching the Word of God. They're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we sow. That's what we sow. I'm going to...
This is not in your notes. This is not in the fill in the blanks. But I want you to take some notes if you'd like to here. What prevents us from sowing God's word? What hinders us and holds us back? And I'm going to go through this kind of quickly, so stay with me. One of the things that hold us back is difficulties in life. Anybody here ever face any difficulties in your life? Come on, be honest. How many of us have difficulties in life, right? We all do. Now, if you're not having one now, you will someday. We all have them. Hardships and trials. But the, the difficulties in life sometimes keep us from sowing the word of God. I mean, is God in charge of the difficulties that you're going through? See, the truth of the matter is, when we have a God who's small, our difficulties are big. And when we have a God that's big, our difficulties are small. How big is your God? And when you have a great big God... He can handle your difficulties. Amen? Amen. How do you see God's hand in your trial that you're going through? And when we have immaturity, we, we focus on ourselves and not on God. But God is with us in the hard times of life. Drew is reminding me, and he used a little term, I, I really love it, Drew. It's swag, right? And God is sovereign. Right? Oh, he rules. He's wise, right? And he's good, right? I hope I said that right, Drew. And so God is swag. He's sovereign. Say it with me, sovereign. Wise and good. Some of you just got the and. All right. Sovereign, wise, good, and he is Swag. Isn't that good? Tell your neighbor, God's swag. So in your difficulties, understand this. God's got this thing. And God holds it. And you're here in this trial, and you can sow the word of hope in the trial. Distractions. Distractions keep us sometimes from sowing God's word. We get distracted by a million things. It's like I, Google curiosity disrupts my world. I, I just follow a string of things I'm curious about. And next thing I know, I've wasted a half an hour of my life. Does that happen to anybody else but me? It's, it's a wonderful tool, but... And YouTube absorption, I'm watching YouTube. And then it feeds me other things I might want to watch. And I do. And I'm on there for an hour. Distractions. Facebook surfing. Oh, that's, that's something different. All right. Facebook, right? Down, down, down. Distracted. Mindlessly Christy and I had dinner with a friend of ours and his wife this week, who's a pastor in Mississippi, and we were at a restaurant eating a meal, and both of them wouldn't put their stupid phones away. 
we rarely see them. My phone was in Christy's purse intentionally. And Christy kept hers in her purse. But they were messing with their phone. I was kind of getting aggravated. Because it was wasting what could be a meaningful moment. But it's like that with our life. Distractions get us focused on those things that we miss out on what God has called for us to do. Amen? Wealth can do that. You're praying that you'll be wealthy. You pray that you'll be successful. You'll pray that you have more money. And you know what? God blesses some of us and we have wealth. But if we're not careful, that wealth just leads us to be gone all the time and on trips all the time and buy other toys and just recreate more and, and buy a, another house here, another house there, go on this trip. And next thing you know that we're not any use for the kingdom of God because we've been distracted by things and our wealth. pastor friend of mine was talking to me about two or three families in this church that once were so faithful. Now they've come into money and now they own the second house and the third house and they can't be faithful and they'll say, well, pastor, we're not going to be serving the Lord anymore, but we'll still send our money. Disappointments. The third thing that can have a way to keep us from sowing the seed are disappointments in our life. Life isn't what you thought it would be or should be. And you become disappointed in this journey of your life. That it's made a steep and sharp turn that you did not anticipate or expect. And maybe you feel you deserved something better, something more, something different. Maybe a sharp turn was a love that was lost in your life or somebody died in your life or some, a divorce that you did not want or a career that didn't take off but rather went down or a marriage that is broken. And so you become disappointed and you're disappointed with others. You're disappointed in your life. You're disappointed in God because you feel like you should have had something different what you have. Maybe it's a marriage that never came. Maybe it's a love that you never knew. Maybe it's a, a marriage that isn't what you thought it should be. But I'm telling you, in your disappointment, Satan will use that to make you disappointed with God and you don't serve him. But I'm telling you, in your grief, in your pain, in your disappointment, God will meet you there. And give you a testimony in a broken world about a God who sustains and upholds you. Related to it is discouragement. We no longer sow the seed of God's word because we have eyes on others. Eyes on ourselves, Eyes on the past. Eyes on hurts. We get our eyes on giants and we get our eyes off Jesus. 
when David went to visit his brothers that were outside of the Valley of Elam. They were all scared to death. Every morning the giant walked out and challenged and mocked them. But they quaked in fear, refusing to stand and fight the giant. David, a little shepherd boy, realized if God be for us, who can be against us? And he said, God will hand him into our hand. Others were put off by David's faith, but David cast aside Saul's armor. Saul wouldn't go fight. He was quaking in fear. But David went, and he went in the power and the name of the Lord our God. And the giant fell, and the nation was delivered because he had a great big God. He would not be discouraged. Our discouragement comes from the other thing that holds us back from sowing the word of God, and that's disbelief. Somehow or another, we don't believe that the word of God can really change lives, that the grace of God is still operative today, that the power of God will not transform a, a, a sinner into a saint. But I'm telling you, I don't know how messed up your world is, your family is, your boss is, your children are, your grandchildren are. My God is a powerful God. The Word of God is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God can take your son or your daughter or your grandchild or your boss or your neighbor or your, your, a, a person that's held in captivity and He can release them and change them and save them if we will preach the Word of God in a broken world. We don't need to eat the seed. We need to sow the seed. Jeremiah said, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that shatters the rock, Jeremiah 23, 29. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14. My words in, you, in your mouth are fire, and the people are wood. He said, I will do a consuming, changing work in their life. Ezekiel chapter 37, I love that chapter. Ezekiel chapter 37, he brings him in a vision to a valley, and the valley is filled with dry what? Dry bones. And they are not only dry, they're scattered everywhere. And he said, son of man, can these bones live? Only you know, Lord. Then preach to the bones. He preaches to the bones. What happens? There was a noise and a rattling, and bones came together, bone to bone, and sinew grew on it in flesh. But there was no life. And he said, prophesy to the wind, to the breath. And he preached the word, and the breath came into them. They came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. God can take dry bones and make them alive with his spirit, the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said in Romans 1, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes, next scripture, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We are sowing gospel seed, and as we do, the Holy Spirit brings to life. Changes them. Amen. Second Timothy chapter four, verse number one. Look with me. I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who's the judge, the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. 
Proclaim the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When I, all the time. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For time's coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Isn't that true? And they'll turn from listening to truth and wander into myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, Tim. Share the word of God. That's what God has called us to do. Amen. Next point is reaping. There is sowing. We're going, we're weeping. We're sowing and reaping. We humbly reap. In chapter 126, we bring our sheaves. It says, verse number five, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. It says, bringing his sheaves with him, bringing his produce with him. In Mark's gospel, chapter number one, Jesus begins to teach beside the sea, and there's a very large crowd gathered. He got in the boat and sat on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it. It yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil, produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In this parable, which he later explains, that the seed is sown faithfully. Sometimes it falls on hard-trodden ground by the road and it is never received and Satan carries it away. Sometimes it falls on rocky soil. It springs up at first and looks like life, but it withers because it has no root in it. And persecution and afflictions and difficulties when they come, it withers out the faith. And then others fall among thorns, and these thorns choke out the life. And he says later in interpretation, this is the deceitfulness of riches and the craving for material things. And it chokes out God's word. But other falls on good soil, and it makes an abundance and a bumper crop that's unbelievable. My friends, God's word does not return void. Amen. And when we share the good news, God brings the growth in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? 
servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God, who gives the growth? God gave the growth. Tell your neighbor, God makes the seed grow. It's not you, it's God. Notice the next verse. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. We get to be involved in this labor of casting seed and and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and yet God is the one that makes it grow. God's the one that brings in the harvest. So we're not prideful. Let's just be faithful. And so we humbly are involved in reaping because it's God that's doing the work. And finally... Our rejoicing, when those who've come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, then we are able to shout with joy, shouts of joy as he shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him, bringing the produce from the field with him. There's great joy when people give their heart and life to Jesus. Those scattered in those Judean and Sumerian towns, went about preaching the word. And notice the, uh, what happened. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. They heard him and saw the signs that he did. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had heard them, and many who were paralyzed were healed. Verse 8, there was much joy in that city. Hallelujah. There's much joy. There's joy in the city. There's joy in heaven. There's joy in a home. There's joy in your life. There's joy in your heart. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 8. Listen to what Peter says. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Joy in your heart when you know Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 2, joy in the harvest, in the heart of the evangelist. Listen, so what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Amen. Amen. Will we sow in faith? Will we sow? Trusting God. Amen. As our praise team and praise band make their way here, there's a story that's found in the 16th chapter of Acts. And in that story, Paul, you see the same pattern, by the way. Paul is prevented and his disciples from going to cities that they want to go to in Asia Minor, in Turkey, and, uh, and so then the Lord in a vision says he saw a man speaking to uh, Paul, Paul and he says, come over to Macedonia and help me. And so he went over and he took a ship to Europe and he comes to Philippi. He's there for several days, nothing happens. And then on one Lord's Day, on Sabbath day, he goes outside of the city. There's no synagogue there. He finds a group of women and there's a woman there by the name of Lydia. 
And he shares the gospel. And God opens her heart. And she's saved. And her whole household gets saved. And there's joy. And then there's this slave girl following him all over and pestering the fire out of old Paul. And he was so frustrated with her. Jimmy, I think he just wanted to slap her, but he didn't. And he, instead, after a couple of days of that, he turned to her and he rebuked her and cast a demon. He knew this is not from God and cast a demon out of her. And she was saved. She was no longer good as a slave girl because she made money for her owners through doing fortune telling. But there was joy in her heart. But those people were angry with Paul and Silas. And they turned against him and almost started a riot and brought him before the magistrate and, 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 and had him condemned to the prison. And they beat him, stripped off his robes, beat him with rods. They were going. They were weeping. Threw him in the inner part of the cell with stocks on their feet. Weeping. But sowing. And they were singing songs at midnight with bloodied and bruised backs, praying and testifying to the grace of God. And prisoners were listening, sowing. And there was an earthquake. And the jail, the stocks fell off and the doors flew open. And the prisoners could all leave, but they didn't. And Paul said, stay here. The guard came in. The jailer, the chief jailer. And he was going to kill himself because he figured everybody had escaped. And he says, no, we're still in here. So we, so we. They brought in lights. And prisoners were a congregation now. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you and your house will be saved. He preached Jesus, took him home with him, preached Jesus to his whole family, and his whole family was saved, reaping. And he said, and they prepared a meal, and they ate bread, and they were filled with great joy, rejoicing. <laughs> that is the pattern that God's called us to. Go. All the time. Weeping sometimes. Sowing faithfully. Reaping humbly. And rejoicing greatly in God's work. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. It's powerful and true. And it speaks to our heart today. I pray that you would have your way in our lives. Father, today, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, I pray that today they would trust him. May we be faithful in going and sowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. Today, if you're wanting to make a decision for Christ, someone's here that would be willing to pray for you. This last song is a song for you to think about how God has spoken to you today and respond.